people have an idea in their head about someone that works on magazines. And whereas, you know, I was, I'm the daughter of a locksmith and I've had no, no one's opened any doors for me. I've worked and all my relationships have come through working really hard. And I kind of wanted to show that side of the industry as well. We don't all have Louis Vuitton handbags and, you know, and I shop in Topshop or New Look. And, and I think that's what I wanted to display on the, on the website a bit more. Welcome to the Lifestyle Edit Podcast, a show about creative female entrepreneurs and the businesses they've built. I'm your host, the Lifestyle Edit founder, Naomi Mdudu, and each week I deep dive with a female founder on topics like business models and revenue streams, marketing and branding, building a team and scaling, and how they are managing to cultivate a life and business they love, and all on their own terms. Our goal each week is to take you on a narrative journey of the opportunities and challenges in business right now, and offer insights you can immediately apply in growing or starting your business. Okay, Alex, so many of the people listening will know a lot about the frugality and everything that you're doing right now. But I'd love to start off just by going a little bit back. Can you kind of talk to me about how your professional journey began? Um, what, from day one? (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, so I started off in, actually I started off in PR. Okay, that's Um, a fun fact for me, I didn't know that. Yeah, so, um, I, I was doing work experience on magazines and, um, it was one of those situations where, I ended up just working in a job and didn't realise I was actually working there. So um, I was working at Company Magazine doing an internship and they recommended me for a job at Matches doing PR. At the time, I'd never even heard of Matches. It was like, so fancy. I was like, what's that? And and it was in Notting Hill and I'd never even been there before, even though I lived in London. I was like, oh, West London. I got got the tube there. And... I think I just got on with the manager of the store and she just kept saying, oh, come in tomorrow and we'll just do a test run. And then after a month, I was like, do I work here now? <laughs> I don't know. And I got a payslip. So I was there for two years, actually. Um, and it was amazing because I met loads of people in the industry and I still speak to so many people now. Um, I used to do appointments with kind of Miranda Armand from Vogue and Charlotte Pilcher. It was back in the day when everyone used to do appointments. They had a lot more time. Yeah. <laughs> Online wasn't really a thing. And, um, yes, yeah, so and that actually got me into the industry, really, because I met an editor. She was at Marie Claire freelancing, but she was about to go to Eve magazine. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so that was my first job. Um, I love how already we're talking about lots of publications that are no longer there, company, Eve. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. I know. And, um, yeah, so someone was going on maternity leave and there was a an assistant job come up and I suppose because she knew that I was just really on it and she recommended me and it was great because I'd never worked in a magazine before and that's quite rare to someone to kind of recommend you just knowing that you'll be good at doing the job Definitely. which I, I feel like so many people rely on work experience those internships and you kind of have to know someone whereas I did it the other way around someone saw that I was good at what I did and she just knew and trusted me um, so yeah, I worked so I went to Eve for two years and then that closed in 2008 because did you have ambitions to work in magazines before that or was it just kind of like a natural yeah well I was doing work experience at magazines um, already Um, but I hadn't done like a proper year internship yeah I was just about to start one and then the job came up so it was I was I was lucky Um, but also I was all my jobs I've been recommended to I I don't I don't think actually think I've applied for a job which is I mean, I've sent a CV off, but once someone's kind of got me in. Um, And then that's how I ended up at Red, because obviously all the editors know each other. It's such a small world. So when Eve closed, um, a friend who worked there put me in touch with the fashion director because someone was leaving. Um, And then, yeah, I started my journey at Red, and I ended up being there for seven years. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and I loved it. It was a great time, really busy. I mean... I suppose it's been hard. I've only ever worked in a recession. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think when I started, I had this such idyllic vision of what being a fashion editor was. And I think it was generally, you, you know, when I went to Red, they would go on, they'd go abroad to do one fashion shoot yeah. with an assistant and then come home and then think of their next shoot and then go abroad. 
Whereas when by the time I started, I'd do five shoots. <laughs> I'd do a I'd do a fashion shoot one day in, instead of on two days, and then I'd do a beauty shoot in the morning to get the light, and then I'd do an accessory shoot in the afternoon with just with product to save money with no modelling, and then I'd go and do a celebrity while I was there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and it was chaotic, and I'd have no assistant, and I'd have have five suitcases going through security on my own. Yeah, I um, that. Yeah, just so different. But I loved it, and I kind of thrived on it. Um, but saying that, actually, I was talking to a friend recently how I think sometimes through working in a recession, you do kind of shoot yourself in the foot a little bit because when I went freelance, I was really really busy straight away, which was great, but. I was kind of undercharging. Yes. Because I'm so used to going, I'll do that, I'll do three jobs, I can art direct and style, you don't need an assistant, I'll steam. Yeah, which is great because obviously it meant I was really busy and I was earning more money than I'd ever earned, so I thought it was fantastic. But actually, in the long run, and as a woman, I was actually undervaluing my work and my worth. So true, I never thought of that. Yes. My sister was talking to me about that. I learned, <laughs> I learned more from my assistant than I've ever learned myself. But yeah, and it, and it, is, it is really interesting because I and, I... and even nowadays, I feel really... I find it so hard charging brands because I'm like, oh, that's so much money, or oh, I just don't think they'd pay it. But that's actually what you're worth. But I'm so used to being that fashion ed- editor that will do five things for half the price. Yeah. It's so hard then running your own business and trying to justify and exactly and it's so funny because we've had numerous conversations about this that you know we're, we're living in this day and age where influencing is getting spent paid astronomical prices and that's why I've never got it with you because every PR that I ever speak to always completely raves about you and oh, but not just working with you but also the results that you garner so I've it's really been interesting to see you and your kind of journey over the, the last few years really kind of tapping into the value that you're giving these brands. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think value is really important. But then I also believe that value for money is important. Yeah. But then I also believe that trust is important. And I think if you go in there with a crazy amount and don't deliver, then you lose trust. Definitely. As well. So it's such a hard relationship to work on. So considering how busy you were in your time at Red... Like, how did you even have the capacity to start thinking about the frugality? Where did that come from? Well, I, th- I suppose at the time I didn't think it would be as big as it is now. Blogs were so much smaller, they were just kind of a little sideline, and there was no social media. Who was, who was out around the time that you started? Uh, well, obviously I worked with Laura, uh, wearing it today, so she was at Red at the same time. But she started it when she was freelance, actually, and then she came back to Red and then carried it on. Um, and... I don't think I didn't I didn't see what she was doing I think I want to do that at all I didn't ever want to step on her toes um, but I think I just felt like I could offer something different to the bloggers that were out there um, and I always I remember at the time I mean I probably would never say this now but I was always like never let the fact that you're busy stop you from having a good idea <laughs> Um, so I just ran with it and I kept talking to a few people about my idea of just being a bit more affordable because there was I suppose Liberty London girls around and Fashion Foire Gras and like the Blonde Salad um, but again people like the Blonde Salad were it was like Emma's bags yes exactly and, and I just thought there was just a real space for a realness of it um, a realness especially if someone who works in the industry as well because I think there was, you know, because obviously the industry is so low paid and it relies on, you know, free work experience. So, you know, it has to, people from a certain background, you know, who live in London already and, you know, can afford to work for free for years. It, you know, it's sort of, what's it sort of, um, so I suppose it kind of creates and perpetuates a certain type of person. So I think people have an idea in their head about someone that works in magazines and whereas, you know, I was, I'm the daughter of a locksmith and I've had no, no one's opened any doors for me. I've worked and all my relationships have come through working really hard. And I kind of wanted to show that side of the industry as well. We don't all have Louis Vuitton handbags and, you know, and I shop in Topshop or New Look. And, and I think that's what I wanted to 
display on the on the website a bit more. Did you realise at the time how much of a business opportunity it was? Because I guess you started your blog before the kind of reward stars started popping up. And yeah. Just by mass, it makes sense that you, you, you know, you're going to sell, push more Topshop, you know, jackets if you're wearing it than, you know, a Louis Vuitton bag. Yeah. So just in terms of that business model and that affiliate revenue, it makes so much sense. Yeah, oh, well, no, and I didn't think about that at all. Like, I, you know, I only ever did a post because I just wanted people to know where to get these amazing shoes. Especially sometimes a shoe would come into a shop and I wouldn't be able to shoot them in the magazine because A, I was working on high-end designer with um, the fashion director, and B, you work so far ahead that sometimes you miss things that are in store now. You yeah, know, or things true. come in store and you never saw the sample. And I remember there was this pair of studded brogues from New Look that were just like churches, and they were twenty four ninety nine. I remember I just couldn't wait to tell everyone about them because I just popped in on my lunch break, and I was, it was more the excitement of letting everyone know. Yeah. I never, ever thought I could make money from this. Um, and I remember even Bryony from the website A Girl of Style, she messed, emailed me one day, because um, she used to read Red, so we, she knew me through there, and said, oh, I've noticed you've never used affiliate links, and I really think it could work for you. Oh, that is and so she introduced me to a few people and she said I, and I said oh, no one buys anything from my site I think it's just like a bit of fun and she said well I know it works because I've bought things through your site so it, you know <laughs> I've got there's proof and I remember the first time I used an affiliate link and I, I mean I made about eight pounds or something but I couldn't believe it <laughs> I was like gosh people shop through a website and I mean I was still really early for me I probably didn't buy that much online at the time I was still definitely going into shops um, but I, I found that so amazing. Yeah. And, and it kind of, so it, started, so it started from there, I suppose. And I guess also as editors, we, you can kind of take for granted that like you're in the showrooms all the time. You're seeing yeah. everything. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the people that were out at the time had come from either different industries or they were starting their blog straight from uni, but you had that editor's eye and you'd been seeing yeah. everything. So you were able to really kind of create those edits. Because I always, yeah. I'm like, even when I go into frugality now, I'm always like, how did I not see that piece in H&M? But you were just yeah. so good at picking out, like wafting through. I've got a very good memory. I'll remember that one thing I saw at the press day and be yeah. like, that's the piece. Um, but also, I, I, you know, don't, I always think, oh, you never undervalue that you know, the authority that I gained from working at a magazine was so important to the success of my website because people trusted me from day one because yeah. they thought I knew what I was talking about. So I suppose I've got privilege in that sense. Yeah. I wasn't just doing it from scratch and being good at it. I was trained in that sense. Of course. Through, you know, through magazines. I think, you know, Red Magazine definitely trains people in a, in a really good way. Um, all pretty much all of the interns at Workshop Red are successful now. Yeah. Because there's something about working in that office. Um, I mean, the editor at the time when I was with Sam Baker, she was very harsh, but she really made you work for her. And, and obviously she's at the pool now, which is successful again. And she's a great editor. And she really does... There's something ingrained in you from working under that. It's funny because it's only now that I'm kind of on my own entrepreneurial journey that I realise how fortunate I was to have that experience. I think when you're in the thick of yeah. that kind of like print experience, at times yeah. it feels pretty brutal. Yeah. <laughs> it feels yeah. pretty brutal. But it's only looking back now that I realise that it's like laid the foundation for so much of what I'm doing now. Oh, yes. And I treat my website like, you know, like I would work on Red Online. You know, I don't just think, oh, what am I going to do today? I've got a schedule... I'm thinking about today, I'm thinking about next week, I'm thinking about next year, I'm looking at all the analytics, I can, it's, you know, it's, a, it's not just, oh, I'm going to write about pretty shoes, sometimes it is, sometimes that's a great place when I do that, but generally you've got to be really structured and I think working at a magazine really trains you to do that and just think about the reader, I was very lucky at Red, we always cared about the reader you know, obviously advertisers were important, but it was very, and Sam Baker was very, what does the reader get out of this? Yeah. Do they care about this? You know, we all have a smile and diary, but does the reader care? <laughs> you know, and I think it's yeah. very, and I think that way as well. It's true, and I, I want to say this because 
obviously we're friends and I've seen it over the years that you've been given so many opportunities, whether it's trips, whether it's gifts, and if it's not right, if the price point is too high or yeah. you know it's not something that's going to resonate with your reader, you've always said no. And I think for many PRs, they're just still to this day very dumbstruck to the fact that you yeah. do that. Yeah, definitely. I've turned down loads of amazing trips. Um, you know, and, I, and it pains me sometimes to write the email, but <laughs> if, you're not, if you're not coming from that viewpoint, then I don't see what you're offering sometimes. And, and, and often I get... It's funny because obviously I get... A lot of PR saying, "Oh, I really appreciate your honesty. That's you know, that's you know, great to hear and really rare." And but then sometimes you get PRs going, "Oh no, but it's going to be great, and I think really think you should come." Yeah. <laughs> and and I just think, well, why are you emailing me if you don't get it and you don't get my stance? Then you know, it's not gonna, it's never gonna work. No, it's true. And I'm the editor, so if I don't think it's right, it's not right. It has to end there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So just to go back a little bit, at what point did you feel like, okay, this can actually be something? Um, you know, I don't think I actually ever left my job to turn my blog full-time. Um, I just left to go freelance because I just knew it was right, just right time. Um, so I, I kind of originally left just to go freelance styling and just concentrate a little more on the blog it was never to make I still I mean I still to this day I'm not 100% full-time on my blog I still do a few other projects I feel I'm still a bit scared to commit um but um I think yeah I wasn't ever 100% sure that the website was going to be my full-time ambition but I knew it was right to go freelance but I was working at Red um full-time and it got to the point where I'd been there for seven years. I was relied on really heavily. It was under a new editorship then, and under Sarah Bailey, who, again, was amazing and gave me loads of new opportunities. I was doing a lot more writing. I was doing a lot more styling. Um, Because what was your last role before you... I was style editor. And then I went back, actually, for a bit, to become... to do cover Lara as shopping and fashion editor. Um, so I was doing a lot of shoots I was doing all the beauty shoots I was doing all the writing for all of the fashion so main fashion and shopping um, I was editing the whole of the shopping section yeah. and doing main fashion accessory shoots and doing online content and I was running the Instagram account for Red um, which I took on myself because I wanted to again um, you know never let the fact that you're busy stop from doing something you want to do <laughs> um, and I, I loved it, but I got to the point, I think, where too many people were relying on me. Because um, just because I'd been there so long and I knew everything and they knew they could rely, like, count on me to do the job and I was terrible at delegating, I was terrible at saying no. Um, and I just got so overwhelmed and I'd got into a bit of a spiral and I was doing my blog on weekends. So I was in the office probably to a close every night and then I would go home and work Saturday and Sunday on my blog, uploading, because I would schedule for an entire week. And I was doing a blog post every other day then. Jeez. And and then and I was doing Instagram because it was kind of caught up by that time. And I was just I was just doing both at 70%. And I'm just not that kind of person. And I I was just really exhausted and tired. And I didn't want to give I knew I I had basically had to give up something. Yeah. But I didn't want to give my blog up. Yeah. Um and and it's funny because I'd always wanted to be a fashionist. That was my dream in life and then I got there and then I just gave it up it's really weird dude that is exactly what I know and I I didn't even I probably did it for a year or and and it's crazy and something I think I suddenly got there I thought actually is this what I want and and I think I always thought fashion was my dream job but actually the job that I'm doing now didn't exist so because I felt guilty I'm giving up on my dream job but Maybe this is my dream job. It's just it wasn't around to think about when I was then, eighteen yeah. or exactly. Yeah. So what was it like? Because you know there is this now. It's it's different because magazines really see the value of having their editors be brands in their own right. Then not so much. Your identity was very much part of the brand of your magazine, but yeah. you were building your own brand. Yeah. How was balancing that out? 
Um, it was it was fine actually. I mean, all editors were very kind about my website, and um, and actually, um, the reason Sarah Bailey got me to do a lot more writing was because she read my website and. I think all the sub-editors always told everyone in fashion that we couldn't write. And Sarah said, well, actually, no, Alex has got a website where she writes every day and it's quite good. Yeah. <laughs> so that was really encouraging as well because I always thought that I couldn't write. So to have that outlet where I was writing and people suddenly saw from another angle that I could do, I had another quality, yeah. <laughs> was actually really satisfying and great. So the editors, they were really positive, but... It got to the point, I think, towards the end, especially as we were bought by Hearst and the lines were just getting a bit too blurred. Um, I was always very respective. Oh, was it, what's the word? Respectful. Respectful, yeah. <laughs> um, I was always really respectful of my time at Red. I would very much split it and I would never you know, go to a breakfast meeting and talk about my blog. It was always for Red. Yeah. Um, and I'd always do blog work on a weekend or in the evening or on my lunch break I'd reply to some emails I would I was very careful about blurring those lines because oh you know read you know it was my full-time job so when I was there that was my full-time job um and I would although sometimes I remember I'd give some ideas for online and they'd poo-poo them and then I'd just use them for my blog instead because I was like I think that's a good idea still <laughs> um so it was quite helpful and and I suppose they did serve each other because working with online I would kind of pitch in a few ideas of what would work and yeah. what I thought um, was changing. But, yeah, it was, it was definitely harder. Um, and I think I probably had it easier than other people that worked there. Um, but I know since leaving, I think it was after myself and Laura left, actually, I think it, it probably did make it a bit easier for them to not have two influencers yeah. <laughs> there yeah. on the fashion team because they could just concentrate. But then I suppose there's so many magazines that have benefited from, you know, like Tank and Caroline Issa and, oh, you know. So I do think sometimes it's definitely a hard line because you don't want to, you know, to build someone up so that they can just leave. Yeah. But it does help the magazine. And, I you know, I don't, I, I don't doubt that you know, we served each other. And the reason people came to my website was because of Red sometimes. So you've got to, you know, think about the benefits on both sides. Definitely. And I want to talk to you a little bit about how you manage criticism, because it's funny. <laughs> I think everyone knows the website from the internet. And yeah. particularly with you guys that have come from Red, you, Lara, mm. um, it's crazy how, like, intense they can be. Yeah. How do you how do you manage some of those sorts of those kind of pushbacks at times? Um, it's funny, I suppose, being an influencer or you know a blogger, your life is quite you know open and up for discussion, and people feel that they know everything about you, um, which is always quite funny because they kind of a lot of people criticise, but then they know way too much about you to have not been clicking on your site every day. Yeah. <laughs> and you think, oh, you're, you're definitely still clicking. Yeah. Um, it's funny, the first time I read a really negative comment, um, it really did upset me, and I remember thinking about it for days, because I'd never had it before. Yeah. Um, when you are at a magazine, you're... Yeah, they can criticise red, and who cares? Well, yeah, and you kind of get, oh, you know, you get a bit defensive, but when it's you personally and things that you put out especially when it's content that you give people for free you don't charge anyone people and forget that this yes. is free yeah. content yeah. yeah um and and it's funny because um someone did say to me actually it's I think you have to flip it on its head that it's actually really good market research yeah it's showing you what people want to read and what they don't want to read and it does sorry um and it does make me I suppose think about things a bit more and that's probably even more so why I'd turn down a fancy trip or something that's a bit sounds a bit too sponsored and it does I, I probably do have a bit of that the negative criticisms in my head and or even negative criticisms of other people that I think I'll oh, make sure I won't do that and I mean you just got to keep going and doing what you do I know that what I do is with integrity and I know that I do it for 
a wider it's not you know I don't do a website to serve myself it's for a wider thing you just got to keep going and believe in what you do I mean the only things that do annoy me slightly is when it gets personal yeah. um, some of the comments on the original on one of the original articles were um, about how I looked and that I think is just not okay that's you know especially especially websites that are mum's net that's supposed to be women, women supporting each other and saying you know I remember one that said that, like Garth from Wayne's World and yeah criticised my teeth and and you know and it sticks with you forever really because I've not forgotten that one comment I laugh at it because I just think it's actually quite funny yeah but you have to a little bit because you know otherwise you know you've got to get a bit of a thick skin definitely definitely and we, we kind of touched on it a bit earlier but you are very focused on really kind of analysing the numbers, analysing the data, you know, from what Instagram posts are, you know, resonating the best. Okay, your audience aren't interested in that. Can you kind of talk to me about some of the things that you're that you're looking to kind of yeah. see? Well, it's, it's, well, it's funny, I never ever thought I was like a numbers person or an analytical person, but I really enjoy that side of social media. Um, I... I, I was reading someone's social media account the other day and they were saying how they didn't understand why their social media wasn't growing and, you know, they're not um, joining pods and commenting on people's articles and they're not buying bots. And it seemed like that person thought that was the only reason you could grow on social media. Yeah. But I'm always against that because I, I just think social media gives you all the tools, really, to be able to grow. Yeah. You can see what picture does best and you can see what people are liking and you can, you know... I mean, I always say don't pander to it because otherwise you'll only... You know, if you're always showing your reader what they want to see, then you'll never know what they don't want. To, you know, they'll yeah. never know what's unexpected. You'll never, yeah. you'll never grow, I suppose, if you're always giving them a picture of... I remember flowers would always do well on my feed. And I got to the point where, like, everything, I'd go and buy flowers just to <laughs> yeah. do a shop with some shoes. And I, got to, I thought, well, I need to stop this, because otherwise, if I don't do a flower, picture with a flower, no one's going to like it. And you have to kind of move people on to like things that they don't know they like yet. Yeah. Um, however, if I'm having a bad week, I'm like, oh, <laughs> let's get some flowers in. But, um, but I think that's the great thing about analytics I mean that's when I started doing outfit posts when I first started my blog it, I definitely didn't I didn't want to be in my website at all yeah. but I noticed whenever I was wearing something it would get more clicks even if I suppose people were just hating on it or going oh she looks like Garth from Wayne's World they were clicking yeah so you have to work on that because at the end of the day your website grows through more clicks so you have to you know have that side of your brain switched on for sure so when you're actually shopping now, are you thinking about your reader or is it purely you and then that's a secondary? Um, a bit of both because when I shop now it's for work. Yeah. I don't, I rarely just go shopping because I need clothes, really. Yeah. Um, I go shopping because I just haven't been shopping for a while so <laughs> I want to see what's out there and I do go into certain stores that I know, A, they're my style but also that I know my readers like. Um, and luckily, they're the same stores. Yeah. Um, so H&M and other stories, Topshop, Mango. They're kind of, there's only about five stores really <laughs> that I actually go into, really. Um, but yeah, I do... There has been times where I've tried on something and think, oh, actually, this would be... And it, even something that I probably... I was going to buy, but I also got inspired whilst trying it on, thinking, oh, this would make a really Good. great outfit post. I yeah. remember trying on a top in Mango... And there was this white poplin shirt with like a tie front. And I remember thinking, oh, this is such a good piece to buy for workwear that doesn't look like workwear. And I did a whole post Post on it and that top sold out. But, and it's not, I I loved the top and I would have bought it anyway, but I remember in the change room being like, oh, actually, this is such a good piece. Um, Because, well, people would always ask me on Instagram or the blog, what would you wear for work? You know, especially if people have corporate jobs. Yeah. I'm always in jeans and a jumper. And actually, there's so many people that rely on you for advice that have to go to an office every day. Yeah. And they're still wearing a suit. And the only show that's telling them how to dress is The Apprentice. <laughs> I would definitely not recommend anyone to, you know, wear they those. Yeah. Oh, no. So, um, 
it does make me think outside the box because I probably wouldn't have thought about workwear before because it doesn't come into my remittance of what I think about styling wise so that's what's great you can get that feedback and use it yeah totally and okay so we've spoken a lot about the blog how does the styling fit in because I remember when you first left you had an agent and then you know you had such great relationships you were like why don't I do this myself yeah so how can you talk to me a bit about that transition and how did it feel now first of all just being not hi I'm Alex from Red it's like hi I'm Alex I'm me and then also now negotiating on your own behalf yeah I mean I think to be honest I went with an agent a bit too early it wasn't right for me for styling okay I think at the time when I was styling um so many agents relied on you still doing editorial to get the commercial work. Yeah. So when I wasn't doing so much editorial, I was, I was working a bit for Red, and then I was doing a bit of Condé Nast Traveller, but I was doing shopping supplements, so mm-hmm. I wasn't really doing like big editorial shoots. So it kind of fizzled out a bit, and the, the, the brands I was getting work from were ones where I knew the people booking me. I, I just thought it just it didn't work for either side. So I left and it was great. It was just it was easy. I mean actually I suppose the the agent helped me because they kind of told me the rate that okay. <laughs> I could just move on and do it myself. So it's very standardized in styling. There is a rate for a job okay. and you just say if you can do it or not. Okay. Um, it's very different. You don't really have to negotiate with anything and to be honest in styling, the budgets haven't gone up since, like, 1985. So <laughs> there's no negotiating. That is the rate. But then saying that, have there ever been times where styling clients have asked you to post on your Instagram? Yeah, and you have to be very careful. Um, I generally say no just because I don't want to be booked because of my Instagram. I want to be booked as a stylist, and that's why I'm there. And it's, it's kind of like when I worked at Red. That's my job when I'm there, and I want to be 100% focused on that. If you want me to for, for social media, then you should have booked me for that. Yeah. Um, I, there has been times in the past where they've asked if I can do, you know, a few Q and A's for their website and take some pictures, you know, some some pictures for their website while I was on a shoot, and it was so stressful. Yeah. And I just felt guilty for the art director because I wasn't giving them a hundred percent because I was also asked to do this extra side project, and so I kind of nipped that in the bud, and I don't offer any so and it's great actually that's kind of why I still enjoy doing styling because it's a job where I go I'm myself I'm not the frugality I'm styling and I come home at six o'clock I don't think about the job and I don't have to share it anywhere I don't have to do any uploading yeah. or and you know it's just that's kind of me yeah. so it's I do less of it nowadays because the blog takes up so much time but I do quite enjoy um, doing just a couple of styling jobs where I just go and style and do my job for the day. It's just so different to the blog where you're thinking about it 24-7 and yeah. just getting stressed about a caption. And, <laughs> you know, it's just so different. So how much? How, is your, how would you say the split is now in terms of styling to blog? I'd say it's probably 80-20 now. It's probably 70-30 before blog to styling, but I think it's now 80-20. I've, I've cut a few more down, actually. Wow. Yeah. So how do you see yourself? When people, do you see yourself as a, as a, a blogger? Do you see yourself as a stylist? I all, I'd always thought of myself as a stylist, but now I definitely... I, but I still don't like the word blogger. Yeah. I, don't say I know, that. I was going to ask you that, because you've used blog and website interchangeably yeah, in, yeah. in this conversation. Yeah, I think I, I've always thought of my website as a website. Yeah. Um, I don't think it reads like a blog. It's not... My website particularly it's not that personal I don't really kind of I don't do vlogs or things like that um social media I'd say I was yeah blogger influencer but I think the whole package and I I think my website reaches quite high much higher than most blogs as well so I do count myself in that bracket um and also I find for most people who don't know what a blogger is, it's just easy to say, I run a website. Um, yeah. Our builders, actually, funnily enough, ask Chris what we do. Because <laughs> I said, I wonder if they just think I'm a lady of leisure. Because sometimes I just walk around in my dressing gown. <laughs> and then today I was like all done up with jeweled earrings. <laughs> and then, and I'm always kind of pottering and going in and out. And I don't really seem to have a nine-to-five <laughs> job. And I think he was asking, and, and I kind of said to Chris, what, do, what did you say I did? <laughs> what do they think I do? 
And he said, oh, you just, I just say you're on a fashion website. Um, I think it's easier for people to understand. It's a bit more palatable. Yeah. Um, and, and also, I, I really... I don't understand... I mean, I do understand it, but I suppose what, from what people have read about bloggers and, you know, all those Daily Mail articles saying that we're all on, you know, £100,000 a year or, you know, millions and we earn £10,000 per Instagram post... Um, I think people have got quite a negative image in their head of what a blogger is. Um, so I find, I remember once being at the hairdressers and my mum was saying, oh, Alex is a blogger. And they all just looked at me and said, oh, do you just get, do you just get loads of free stuff? And oh, it just made me die inside. And, and then it, it sounds, it's, it's always so much harder to try and explain, oh no, it doesn't, it's not part of that. And then you end up just boring everyone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So you just kind of shrug it off, and I don't know. So I kind of try and move away from blogger, which is so sad because yeah. that's not what it's meant to be. It shouldn't be a dirty word, but I feel like most bloggers like myself who really run it like a you know a tight ship and have a website, and we upload every other day, and we're always thinking about the reader. And I think we find it a bit insulting, which is sad. Yeah, it's true. Because how would you say that the whole blogosphere has changed since you started? Um, it is, it's really interesting because um, I think, yeah, again, especially working in a magazine, the way sort of editors would look down on bloggers, and always, you know, in inverted <laughs> commas, I don't know why, because it's what they were, so I don't know why it's inverted commas, <laughs> blogger. Um, but I think, and I, I suppose because I worked in a magazine, I've always had that's seen that stigma attached to a blogger so I think that's probably why I feel like it's such a negative word because yeah. I would work in the industry of people go tutting that they were at shows and they were in front of people and yeah. you know yeah. and they just travel the world and they just didn't ever really see it as a job so it's really interesting coming from that world um, and even when sometimes I remember being on a Eurostar with some editors for a magazine and they were saying, obviously I know most of them, so they're just like, oh, what are you doing here? And I was, I was saying, oh, I'm that blogger that's you know, <laughs> doing Fashion Week, sorry. Uh, when actually I was just kind of pretending I was at Fashion Week. I was just in Paris doing some shots, but it was just a good time to be there yeah. because you could hashtag Paris Fashion Week and yeah. people felt quite excited that you were there. I was actually, I think, working with a white company whilst I was there and I wasn't really doing any shows. And um, it's opened up the world. I, I used to find it really frustrating that sometimes I would be, in my opinion, I was the only person from like a normal background in the fashion industry. Yeah. And it would frustrate me sometimes when people would talk about... I remember just having, once, just even having a brainstorm about the reader and they were like, oh, well, they definitely shop in Waitrose <laughs> and they definitely have a Todd's handbag and they definitely... And so I was thinking, so out of touch. Yeah. And it's beca- and, but, it, you know, it is that sometimes in a magazine it does get that world. You know, it's you do think stuff. this is the yeah. everyday. Like, yeah. I, I would go to Paris with Chanel and have a private tour of the Coco Chanel apartment. That was like a Tuesday. Yeah. You know, so... And that losing touch with reality, I think... And that's what I kind of like about yeah, the blogging world, it's really opened it up and fashion, it can be high-end couture and, and it also can be something you've just seen in New Look, it doesn't have to be always highbrow and I think that's why people think, you know, the fashion is yeah, it's so impenetrable and it's not, it should be for everyone, it is for everyone, it's, look, we've got the best high street You're so right So, talk to me a little bit how the frugality has evolved it's almost like listening to you now, it's almost like it's come full circle. So you had lots of content in the beginning that wasn't about you. Yeah. And then now you're bringing in, you know, you've got your hand tours and you've got some kind of lifestyle content that, you know, it's a fully-fledged website. It's not just about kind of your personal style. Yeah. What's the future looking like? Well, I'm, I'm hoping. I've always thought in my head that the frugality.com, in a sense, is a brand more than me. It's bigger than me. And I've always thought that. Um, and so I'm hoping that in the future, my website... I mean, I don't know about social media channels because I find they're much more personal for me. But from the point of the website, um, I would like that to be sort of more just articles like, you know, 
10 best Breton tops you need to buy now under £30 and like a go-to site for people to find like affordable travel and a few affordable recommendations and inspirational posts on you know how to update your living room for only you know if you've got a small budget and I think there's definitely a space for that for my site um how to get there is still up in the air it's, it's always something in the back of my head whereas I still just float on by doing about you know getting a blog post on Instagram up a day you know so it's really hard to move on so that's what I'm hoping to try and push forward in the future try and get a team together and you've been building your team how how is yeah. that kind of involved yeah I mean it's, it's great so I got an office this year absolutely amazing I mean firstly I mean I picked up the keys for this office um the day I found out I was pregnant <laughs> um and it's funny because I remember my mom saying that exactly the same thing happened to her when they bought their oh, first okay. when they um when they rented their first shop she found out she was pregnant she was like, isn't it funny? It's just life, just you can't plan things. Um, so for the first three, four months, I didn't come in. So I was just throwing money down the drain. However, I had got an assistant to help me and she was coming to the office, which was amazing because she wouldn't have been able to come into my house when I was being sick in bed. So yeah. it was great to have that external space where someone could come in. I knew that things were getting done. Just, a, just some admin things and people were touching base and she was being able to get back to people which I couldn't do at the time because I was being I was really ill um, and now I've just started getting back into the rhythm of coming and it's great um, especially where our house is being renovated and we just can't work from home at the moment and I love coming here it's really quiet I get everything I need done all my stationery here everything's in one place um, and it really makes allows me to focus yeah and also just have that you know concept of leaving work whereas I never would at home I would I just carry on sitting on the sofa for another hour because exactly. then I'd put the tv on and I'd be like oh I'm relaxing now I'm still working <laughs> yeah whereas here I've got no tv I don't I don't want to be here yeah so when you're I, here make the most of the yeah time. I want to go I want to get home so it kind of really makes me get my work done because I don't want to sit in an office just staring at a wall all day. It's true. And what, what advice do you have? I know there's many people listening who will who are busy but don't know when the right time is to bring that first person on. What would your advice be? And I know that you've always started off with having people a few hours and then kind of building on that. What's yeah, I think so. Because, yeah, I mean, I've... It's, I suppose it's your affordability. I was definitely... I've never done anything until I can afford it, so I've never had any outgoings I couldn't afford. So I'd always... Everything that I would earn for the first few years on my blog, when it started making money, I would put back into the site. Nothing ever went on extravagances, in my opinion, like an assistant. When you say or, put back into the site, like what? Um, well, I would just put it back into the fund, and that would go towards... Like photographers? Yeah, equipment like on trips. Yeah. Um, I pay for most of my trips myself, so when I do frugal city guides, I'll pay for everything. And you're really efficient, like you'll start the year like paying for like all of your trips. Yeah, well it saves money in the long run. Yeah. And then it's all paid for by the time I go. Um, and then also if I have a trip booked, then I can kind of maybe work more with a, a sponsor. So once it's booked sponsors are more likely to come on board because I'll be like well I've got this trip sorted and they yeah. don't have to organise anything and yeah. we can work that way um, and so everything I put into my website I've got back out so although yeah. I pay for all my travel I've managed to do a project whilst I'm out there and yeah. it's kind of worked that way and it works really well um, but I've never believed in I don't know just having unpaid work I've always paid everyone for everything that they've done um, just because you know, I found it so hard in the beginning working for free and I don't want and I wanted people to do a good job and want to work for me. I want yeah. them to want to come in. So I've always paid everyone. So in that sense I've always done it quite slowly. But um yeah, so I'll always so I've got an assistant now but she would do two days a week and ten to two. And we've sorted out a rate and I I know it's affordable but it's also Changeable. So again, she doesn't work on school holidays, and so that saves me money, and I kind of budget it in that way. And then only once now we started working together, I feel like maybe we can push forward. So I think getting someone that's understanding in that sense as well, yeah. doesn't just want a full time job from day one, is great. Yeah. I think definitely talk whoever you're employing or working with, definitely talk to them about expectations. Yeah. You know, and explain 
this isn't going to be a full-time, you know, wage, salary job yet. I mean, hopefully it will be, but you have to, yeah, because otherwise, yeah, if you exceed, you can't exceed expectations then and you don't want to let them down. So I think it's really important to always have the discussion and they know where they stand with you as well as the other way around. Yeah. And obviously you've worked with your husband, Chris, in the past with photography. What's it like working with your husband? Uh, it's it's great. I mean, the amazing thing about Chris is he has always taken my pictures from day one, whether or not, you know, when we both, neither of us made money out of anything, and he would just do it, and he would never roll his eyes or ask why he was doing it. He would just do it, because he knew that... So this part of the visit, just, just an aside, we were, I was going to meet Chris and and Alex for dinner in New York and I wanted Michael to take me a photo of me around the corner yeah. from Big Bear where we're going and he was like puffing and puffing and I was teasing him that ironically we're going to meet these guys and I was telling him how amazing Chris is at taking your photos yeah. so was... Chris took my photo for <laughs> there we go I was always like my, my, basically he knew if I had makeup on and I looked alright a photo was going to be taken at any point um, and he never ever, yeah, he never asked why and just always did it and never, you know, asked to be paid or anything. And he supported me so much. Um, so it, it was great because that obviously helped me build my website and then allowed me to go freelance. And then we spent more time together because when I was working full time, we never saw each other. Yeah. Um, so I suppose that's probably why he took my photo because that was the time <laughs> I could dedicate to him yeah. <laughs> on weekends. Um so then, yeah, when I went freelance, we kind of started doing a bit more. I mean, again, he's not a professional photographer, and neither am I. We just, we, I spent some money on a camera, and we just started playing around. And for me, luckily, my website is not all about professional photography. That's actually not, it doesn't really work for me. Um, I think people like the idea that they can take the picture themselves. So that's a great selling point and very useful because that means I don't have to spend, <laughs> yeah. you know, too much time researching and sourcing photographers. I work with some other photographers sometimes who are great, but as time is so limited now, it's so much easier to sometimes just say to Chris, should we just do something tomorrow if you're free? Yeah. And especially if something comes up late minute, last minute, you know, trying to get a professional photographer on board and organising the location and where you're going to shoot and you kind of need a bit more of a plan with them yeah whereas Chris we'll we'll try and we'll try where we can join it into our life so yeah. we'll go to the Tate Britain um, and then we'll try and shoot in Pimlico before and then go see an exhibition for an hour afterwards as like yeah. our treat and we get some time together um, so it, it's quite healthy and we both enjoy it and Again, I pay him now, so we're both working and we both treat it as work. Yeah. Um, and he enjoys the security and he's starting to enjoy taking photos. He really enjoys it. Now he researches images oh. and thinks about different crops. And he's actually started working with other bloggers now, taking their pictures. Yeah. So he works with Sarah Clark for Little Spree. Okay. Um, and then he does videography as well, so he'll do that on his side and work. he works for a few brands that way so he has a bit of diversity yeah. doesn't work with me solely at the moment um so I think that helps but I mean my parents have always worked together and my sister works with my parents as well so family working together is not weird for me yeah but it's funny how some people also how they perceive it I think some you know I suppose it was that Instagram husband video yeah. everyone was sharing <laughs> as viral and laughing at and I think there still are a few of Chris's friends that sort of say you're an Instagram husband because they've heard all the negative connotations. But I don't see it that way, and Chris doesn't either. We work together. And, you know. and also, <laughs> you've been able to build this thing with his support, and it's amazing that you are able to enjoy some of the fruits of what you've been able to create together. Because yeah. we, we all know what it's amazing when you go on press trips with other people, but it's incredible that you get to travel the world and have all of these experiences together. Yeah, exactly. So we, you know, we, we did New York Fashion Week together, and it was great being there with my husband rather than on my own, trying to, you know, booking a photographer in New York that I didn't know, trying to get them to take my pictures. Exactly. Like, I knew that I had someone there that I trusted... You know, if it, 
And also sometimes, you know, if it's raining, if we don't get the shot, we can just say, oh, should we just try it again tomorrow? Or let's go for lunch, think about it, and carry on. Yeah. Whereas when you're working with a photographer whose time is, you know, that whereas... It's more flexible. Yeah, definitely. And, um, and it, yeah, just and we fly together and then we come home and we feel like we've had a bit of a holiday as well as work. And it's, yeah, it's really amazing. We're both really lucky. So now with baby, what what's the plans? Oh yes, that's <laughs> I don't no idea. Um, so I'm hoping to maybe take three months off. Okay. Chris is maybe hoping to take a month off, which would be okay. lovely. We work together. We can sort of figure a few things out together. Um, I've got my office here, which I think is great because that will keep things running and. I think my sister would still be here so I can pop in nice. if I need to, even with a pram and a, you know, figure a few things out. So I can still touch base with work and check everything's going along smoothly. I think social media wise I'll keep it going, the blog, but definitely take a few months off from uploading content on the blog. Um I mean I don't know, I think I think I have this, you know, obviously most people do this, you know, um vision of very unrealistic vision of having a child <laughs> I think that I'm just going to still be you know swanning around with a baby in tow and you know Chris will have the baby <laughs> strapped to his front How and take pictures pictures yeah then? even Chris suggested that I was like I don't think, I don't think it works like that I don't, he was like it's fine we'll just come with the brown I'll take some pictures I was like I don't yeah, think just put the baby yeah. on the side of the street yeah I, was like, I don't think we can leave the baby on man um, so I think we'll just work it out I think you know it depends how we cope and how it's working. I mean, I'm lucky that we're we're lucky that we both are freelance. Um, so even with childcare, we I think we can muddle it amongst each other. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, you just don't know until it happens. And do you, you never know what type of baby you're gonna have. No, or exactly. Or you have to give yourself the space to figure that out. Um, one thing I do want to ask you though is that how do you prepare financially to be to as a freelancer. Yeah, well, you can't. You have to basically save yourself. You have to yeah. save money. Yeah, because you were saying that you're now looking into, like, what's the statutory thing for, like, maternity, and yeah. no one really speaks about that stuff. No, I think... You, so you get an allowance, okay. um, and I'm, like, hell-bent on getting it because I've never claimed the government for anything, so I'm <laughs> like, I'm getting that money. Um, so I've got all the forms, and I'm going to take them to my midwife appointment next week. I think I need to get something signed. But I think... You, you get you get some money from the government, so I I really want to use that because it's just it's something that's there to help freelancers, and I think it should be used. Um, yeah, it's it's tricky. You basically just have to pay yourself, and you know when when friends who work full time kind of moan that they can only, you know they only get eight months paid, and then the rest they have to you know muddle through. <laughs> I'm like, oh okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if I can even take three months. I can't afford to, but. I'm also lucky in that sense that I can probably continue working with a child. Yeah. And I can do a picture in a mirror at home if I need to, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That can be work for the day. So I have to, you know, I have to really count my blessings in that way. I don't get as much time off, but then I also don't have the same kind of full-time regime that everyone else has every other day. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely swings and roundabouts when it comes to that. But it's... it's yeah, it's not something to be taken lightly, I think, you know. You have to really plan. I mean, luckily, obviously, I'm not travelling as much, and that's my biggest outgoings. Okay. So I think over the next three, four months, I'll be able to save a lot of money from not going away, not doing city guides. Yeah. I'm kind of keeping everything a bit more streamlined with my spends, with my expenditures. So hopefully I'll be able to siphon myself. <laughs> and hopefully I won't be spending as much money because I won't be doing anything. Yeah, and I guess that's the whole point. I always say now more so than any time in history that you can create a business and life you love on your own terms. And this is yeah. the perfect example of that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely... I think a lot of people are asking about child content and I'm, I'm kind of avoiding that subject at the moment. I, I, I always think never say never, yeah. but my aim is not to make my content child-centric at the moment. Um, just because I think, you know, the frugality brand, again, is bigger than me and my personal situation. So obviously I think social might have a bit more family in it yeah. because that's my life. But 
it definitely won't be every picture. I don't think I'm still going to keep it to what it's always been. Because isn't it funny with the whole vlogging sphere that at one point it was like 18 year olds and now it's very much like the lifestyle, the mum, the holiday, yeah. the, whole, the house. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely all the company. Because <laughs> there was never a time to do it. Yeah. Do I know, but, it, but it's also just quite hard and it doesn't... I don't know, I find... Now I'm pregnant as well, even I find pictures where if I don't kind of stand proud of my bump out, the picture doesn't do as well because they want to see that side of it and I'm always so reluctant to give it. I never want to give people exactly what they want. (laughs) It's really, it's a a hard, it's it's probably a big flaw in my character. But um, I refuse to kind of, yeah, bow down to it and kind of do all... You know, proper maternity dressing posts. <laughs> I've not really done any maternity dressing posts, and people keep asking me for them. That's a good point, actually. What, how do you decide what you put out there and what you keep back, considering that your life is kind of sharing? It's it's funny because I don't, I, I think I have actually I've got I've had a few secrets on social media this last this last year or so, and it's been quite enjoyable. <laughs> Just sounds really bad, but I suppose everything's so. For everyone, you know, everything's so public. It's nice to have a few little things to yourself. Yeah. Um. So, for instance, we know the sex of our baby, but I haven't mentioned it on Instagram or social media. Not blog post, the big reveal. No, I don't know. I just it's nice to have something that me and Chris just know about. Yeah. You know, and I I find it. I don't know. I find it hard. I I I tell everyone so much and give away so much that it's just nice to have a little surprise to yourself and. And also, I think you've got to lead people to what they do best. So, so many people are asking about maternity wear. And actually, there's so many blogs that own that. And I don't want to take that away from them. Because this is only, you know, nine months of my life. So, I don't want to suddenly... You know, just because... I mean, I do have a lot of traffic on my site. I know it will do really well. But also, I don't 100% believe in maternity wear. I'm I'm much more just wear an oversized jumper and get a good pair of jeans. And keep to your normal style. But I don't want to be that, you know, suddenly people only come to me for oh, maternity wow. wear and then suddenly I have a baby and then no one comes back <laughs> because I'm not talking about pregnancy anymore. You know, and that's the thing, I don't want to only get, you know, because I think there's a lot of, it's interesting, a lot of people followed me when I announced I was pregnant and actually I feel like I've lost quite a few followers because I haven't been talking about pregnancy every day. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's weird, my, um, so my demographic on my Instagram, when I announced I was pregnant... So usually my my locations of my readers are city-based. Okay. So it's London, Dublin, New York, Paris, okay. which is great. And I love that because I'm quite city-based. And obviously yeah. I wear trainers a lot. I'm very, you know, yeah. on the streets. And I do city guides rather than far-flung holidays. And um, But as soon as I announced I was pregnant, the demographic changed. And it, it went from London and Dublin, Kent. Interesting. And... The only thing I could think of, think was the pregnancy, and it was. I think people were following me, and but interesting. This week it's gone back, <laughs> and, and I and I haven't had many. I I lost quite a few followers these last few weeks, which I'm fine about. I mean, people follow you. Don't you know? You're not what they expect or whatever. And it, yeah, it's gone back to London, Dublin, and New York. But I think actually that's a great way to close. It's it taps into what we started talking about in the beginning. You kind of even when your audience have kind of pushed you in a certain way, you stayed so true to what the brand was when you kind of first Yeah, I tried out. to. I mean, it's a lot more interiors, but because I love that. Yeah. Um, but that's because you were ready to evolve, as yeah. opposed to it being like, oh my God, there's so many, like, you know, commercial opportunities now in, like, yeah. as a mum, or, you know, that's where the tides are turning. Yeah. And I think that's why, you know, the frugality stands out. It's just because you have such a clear vision. The moment someone goes on your site, you know exactly what it is. And I think as the whole digital space becomes so, a lot more saturated, especially as, you know, so many of the magazines that we grew up reading are disappearing and more of those editors are re-entering the online space. There's only so much of a specific type of content that you can get. Yeah, no, definitely. And it is really interesting, the amount of people that said to me, oh, you need to get on all these brands for baby stuff. And and I just, I don't know, it just never crossed my mind that I just wouldn't buy my own pram. Yeah. I don't know, I just, <laughs> I just find it a bit weird. Um, and also I think so, a, lot, a lot of people have offered to send me 
baby stuff now and I'm like I just I really don't feel comfortable with someone sending product for something that's not born yet yeah. like, I just I don't know I just I just it's so alien to me and I think I suppose there's something in me as well that worries about kind of about losing my identity and I think you know I'm I'm pretty scared of having a baby. <laughs> I mean, I don't know who isn't. Um, so I think yeah, I think never say never. I don't know what's going to happen, but at the moment I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and it's working and I'm enjoying it. Well, we can't wait to see how it unfolds. So that's it for this week's episode of the Lifestyle Edit Podcast. You can download more episodes of the show and subscribe in Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you enjoyed what you heard, we would love a review or recommendation. It's the number one way for us to share these stories and insights with as many creative female entrepreneurs as possible. And don't forget, all of the information on how to join the TLE community is in the show notes or simply head to thelifestyleedit.com to sign up.